Hello, hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. As ever, I'm joined by my co-host Joe. Uh, Today's going to be one of our match recaps. Joe and I handled the first one after the North London Derby recently. Um, Joe was the, the sort of happier of the two that day. Uh, there's a third person on, on this call um, who I'm going to let Joe introduce, but I'll just cut to the point and say that essentially none of us are too happy this weekend, given how results have gone. But um, Joe, I sort of have put words in your mouth uh, saying that you're not too happy, but how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I've, I felt better. It's not, as a Londoner, it's not been a good weekend for, um, we're now in tier four, um, which isn't, isn't ideal before Christmas. But then, yeah, just to make it that bit worse, Spurs, deservedly lost to Leicester fortunately we're not talking about that game today um but yeah we did lose and it, it wasn't good but oh well but um I am very excited that we are this time we, it was just you and I last time Kai but today we are joined by a guest and whilst this is a man who went to school with us and um, these days he is living in Leeds and unsurprisingly is a massive Leeds fan so a big welcome to Stephen Allen Dan aka Steve-O Steve-O it's been a while how are you it's been a really long time. Um, a lot has, has happened in my life over the last, sort of, well, 10 years now. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, I suppose I've moved up from North London now. <laughs> Grew up a little bit in Leeds. And, uh, and yeah, wow, I think it, it is probably about 10 years since, since we were all last together. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a long time. But I'm doing great tonight. Well, apart from uh, the obvious. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess um, we, uh, we might as well get, get into that. We are here to to talk about the game that's just happened at Old Trafford, um, Manchester United versus Leeds United, which is obviously a quite historic, historically bitter rivalry. Um, I wouldn't say that there was too much or much at all bad blood on the field that I, I witnessed today, but there was certainly a trouncing that took place, uh, at least on the scoreboard. Um, so, Stephen, I guess let's get your... Um, we, maybe we can go through it... Um, in a little bit, sort of from start to end, but um, just re- how you're feeling right now, immediate sort of reflections on, on the game that took place. So in terms of how I feel, like I, a lot of people, I've spoken to a lot of people since it finished and, and they're telling me that I should be proud. And, and normally I would be proud of it because, you know, we created chances, but when you start looking and drilling into the game itself and the stats, you, you can see kind of, well, clear and obvious ways in which, we should have done better. We didn't do better. I mean, most notably shots on target. We had 17 shots, three on target. I mean, you scored two goals out of the three on target. That's good. But um, overall, I think the overall view is disappointment just based off the fact that I think that, that Manu were there for the taking before the game. Uh, I certainly didn't expect them to come out as well as they did do. Uh, I haven't seen them play that well all season. I'm not an avid Manu watcher. I'll give you that. I watch Match of the Day every week and I certainly haven't seen them play that well. You know, before the start of the game, that had three goals at home all season, I think it was. Uh, and they scored more than that in the first half against us. Um, obviously, the corners, uh, we knew that was going to happen, didn't we? Uh, conceding from a set play based on recent weeks. So, yeah, I think um, I, I'm personally, I'm not taking it too personally. Uh, it was a game that we've been waiting 16 years for. Uh, we know this. There was a lot of bad blood between the teams. They have a player that actually knows the game far better than, than quite a lot of us in charge of them. And he's played in quite a few of the games against us. And I think overall, it's a case of looking forward to the next two for me. Uh, we've got Burnley at home. We've got West Brom away. And then we've got Spurs, I believe, uh, in the new year. So, yeah, we've, we've got a couple what I would see as, as big... I say bigger games. They're not bigger games. That they are. They're more important for the league. But yeah, today, today was our big one. So yeah, it hurt a bit. It hurt a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, we might as well, let's just go to the start. And I mean, three, four minutes into the game, Leeds uh, are 2-0 down. And and even weirdly, not just 2-0 down, but it's a Scott McTominay brace, a man that he's not usually known for scoring, but I mean, he took both of his goals remarkably well. Um, yeah, what... Has have Leeds conceded early this season? Where 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 did that come from? Was do you think United just just got out of the blocks really quickly, or is there has there been a, some consistency here with early goals? Honestly, I think I think they're really up for it today. Um, I, I honestly I haven't seen a team come and run at us like that since Liverpool on the opening day, and that was the first five minutes they scored really early that day as well. But those first five minutes, I thought. This is going to be a long season. <laughs> Everyone's as good as this. Um, I mean, they, they started really, really well. Our defence, kind of midfield, defending midfielders, really, they weren't up to scratch. Calvin, I'd say, was, was a little bit slack at the very beginning. I don't think he played really badly. I don't think anybody played well for us, on the other hand. But uh, initial, initially leaving that much space between your defence and midfield against top quality players. You know, you had Ole coming out like prime Barca. <laughs> Sorry, Ole Adam coming out like prime Barca up front at times in that first sort of 10 minutes. They just let them score every time. Um, I think after the first couple went in, though, um, obviously both top class finishes as well. Uh, keeper had absolutely no chance on him. After the first went in, there was, there was a chance for Bamford. Uh, and that was the chance that he's been scoring all season where he ran through and he knocked it wide. And when that went wide, oh, in this living room here, we had, our heads, heads went down. But then we thought, you know what? We, we're going to create. We are going to continue to create. And, and that's what we did. Um, I mean, moving on, moving on to the third goal. I'm struggling to remember it. Bruno Fernandes, huh? Yeah, it was the, the Fernandes goal... We left him a little bit too free for my liking. It was actually a really good tackle by Ailing on Martial when you kind of expect Martial to turn and score. And and then, I mean, Fernandez is, is Fernandez, and he, he is Mr. Manchester United, unfortunately. He will yeah. score, he will set up. Um, and, I mean, after we got that, again, sorry, after they got that, I thought we kept attacking. Uh, we kept attacking quite neatly, but they just the end product just wasn't necessarily there. Well, to stick on... Um the third goal and then even the first two um what i sort of witnessed in terms of besides some nice football from manchester united was some quite passive might not be the right word but standoffish defending from leeds and i'm quite familiar with that as an arsenal fan because that seems to be how we like to we seem to prefer to defend space than actually tackle players and take the football back but is that something that is thematic with leeds this season because like i said for i would say almost all three of those first goals um the first one kind of maybe not expecting McTominay to be the one that pops up on the edge and score is maybe an anomaly. But the second McTominay goal, I think you were kind of, your only chance to stop that goal was to maybe block the pass that made its way to McTominay. Because once he got it, there wasn't really much of a challenge on him. And then likewise for the Fernandez one, he's kind of just standing there, maybe a slight attempt at a block from a Leeds defender, but they didn't really get in his face. Um, yeah, do you notice um, Bielsa preferring his players to kind of defend space rather than the ball? Usually, usually they're tight to the man. Um, they're usually really, really tight to the man under Bielsa. I think the one thing that I would say around the defence situation at the moment is we've got you know German international, Cock, he's out injured. We've got a Spanish international, Lorente, he's out injured. And Liam Cooper's the only fit centre-back at the club. Then when you actually look at where these players have come from to where they are now in the Premier League, it is, it's amazing. 
They've got, I think, over the back four today had about 700 appearances for Leeds combined. Now, if you look at how many games they've played in the Premier League, what, like 12, 15 now or so, it, it, it's amazing that they've actually managed to kind of keep clean sheets in a few games. Um, in terms of Liam Cooper, he's a good example to start on with this defence. Previously, under, I'd say, poor, poorer management, really, not, not, not under somebody that's going to coach you into the player you are today, he was known as League One Liam. Um, <laughs> midway through Bielsa's first season, he was super-duper Liam Cooper. So it's, <laughs> we've, we've seen a little bit more super-duper Liam Cooper, but I think today was a bit of a, a bit of a return to League One Liam. But, you know, I, I won't begrudge him that because I thought the movement of the, uh, the attackers was, was pretty good. I mean, it, it, was very, it would have been very hard to stop. Um, we also had to have a had sorry had a right back and centre back in Luke Ayling, and Dallas, who's played pretty much every position but in goal under Bielsa, <laughs> wing back, and and Alioski, who used to be offside so much, we pushed him back into wing back, and, and you know he, he stopped being offside again, so it worked quite well. Um, but yet yeah, it's, it's it's a team of players that have played lower division football in England for a long time at, at the back, and that I think they've done very well so far, and uh, I think there will be potentially a few more lessons like this to come this season. Yeah, I think as well, just that that early goal from McTominay, that sort of Gerard Lampard esque finish, kind of shocked everybody, and it gave United such a boost early on. And in fairness to them, Leeds, yeah, Leeds were playing well, like you said. Bamford should have scored that goal, but United were that was the best United have played all season by quite a distance. So, whether or not you had the defence you had or a slightly stronger one, it almost felt like their firepower was going to be a bit too much. But yeah. From three nil to to four nil. I mean, at four nil, what what are you thinking then? Are you are you, are you worried this is going to turn into a, a real embarrassment? What, what what are your thoughts when the fourth goal goes in the back? Initial reaction was uh, not another corner. Um, my my flatmate sat next to me when we were watching the game, and he said uh, they've got a penalty. I said, what do you mean? He goes, they've got a corner. <laughs> That's how bad it's been in recent weeks. Um, when the fourth went in, because we were still continuing to create chances, at that point we kind of accept defeat, but we just hope that we can get a bit of respectability about the scoreline. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't long before that, well, I say that came. No, it didn't come, but <laughs> we thought it was coming anyway. But, yeah, it's, I suppose when you go 4-0 down in a game that you've been waiting 16 years for, you, you're angry, you're annoyed. Uh, and, to be honest, actually, for once, pretty relieved I wasn't in the grounds. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I guess Liam Cooper, before, yeah, that Lindelof goal went, or, uh, sorry, afterwards, he would um, revert from his defensive League One Liam Cooper into a super-duper Liam Cooper again and score quite a decent header. Um, but you mentioned sort of accepting the defeat and kind of hoping for some, uh, to save a little face with the scoreline or at least the football. And I guess just on that point, it's 6-2 at the end of the day. We'll We'll get onto the rest of the goals, but... Does this count as a as an embarrassing defeat or not really? Like you've mentioned, you've come so far and you know under Bielsa, um, is this just one of those days you just kind of have to write off? Is he going to write it off or is he going to hold the guys accountable? I think um, Bielsa will hold the guys accountable, um, but nobody knows what goes on in his head. Uh, he might pick the same team next week. You never know. I mean, it's it, it's gone from Manu away to Burnley at home next week, so he could. I think he will read them the right act somewhat. Um, he made. A couple of subs at half time in the game, which I questioned at the time. I wasn't why why is Phillips going off and why is Klitsch going off? You know, they're they're two of our, our pivot players. They they turn attack to defense, sorry, defense to attack really well. Um, but then 
and, and even sorry, even Sky were confused by this, but it took Sky about 10 minutes to clarify the position on it, which was they are both on four yellow cards. If they got another booking, they'd get a ban. But it was just surprising that they didn't pick up on that straight away. Um, for me personally, I will be working from home tomorrow. I have far too many Man U fans on my team at work. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be hiding from them, ignoring the team's messages when they pop up. Um, it's just one of those, I think. Um, I suppose when we were, personally, when we were in the lower leagues, um, there wasn't as much. You know, if we lost to Huddersfield, I wasn't bothered because I don't work with any Huddersfield fans. Uh, <laughs> you know, if we lost to Derby, there's one guy in the office that supports them. Who cares? If we lose to Man U, I know I'm going to get it in the neck. When we lost to Liverpool, I got it in the necks. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those. On a, on a personal one, it's just a bit frustrating. But I think we go again is, is the way I'm feeling right now. Yeah, I mean, just before we tackle the second half, you mentioned, obviously, Bamford missed that chance. Then there's the, the goal that's ruled offside. And then he actually has a header that he probably should have scored as well. He's In fairness to Bamford, he's had a really good season. Score, I think he's surpassed Leeds fans' expectations, just the general football fans' expectations. What... What do you see going forward with him? Is he going to continue this rich vein of form or do you think he's playing above himself at the moment? What, what, yeah, what's the deal with Patrick Bamford? Uh, so I, I do think he's going to continue this rich vein of form. Now, if you'd have asked me this in the summer, I'd give you a completely different question. But all I need to tell you is, is, the, is the faith that Bielsa has in Bamford. It's amazing. We got Eddie Nketu, who Kai will know well, on loan from Arsenal last season. He couldn't displace Bamford in the team. When he took Bamford out of the team and put Nketiah in the team, Ketty would get the odd goal, but as a team, we wouldn't play as well. Bamford is, I suppose, like Firmino, but scores. Uh, he, he does so much for the team that you don't actually realise. Uh, in terms of his season this year, you know, he, he, I think, scored one Premier League goal for however many clubs. He, in, in all fairness, was never given a fair crack at, as a striker in the Premier League. He was often played off the wing. I think Karank is the only manager that had a bit of faith in him in the Premier League. Um, under Bielsa, he, I mean, up until this summer, he had a lot of critics at Leeds. Uh, since the season started, I mean, he's been on fire. I saw a stat on Friday after the midway round of fixtures that showed that he got the most goals in the top five leagues from open play, apart from Lewandowski, because he doesn't he doesn't score penalties for us. Mm. And for somebody that you know goes through spat, <laughs> patches, he's very streaky, what they call him. Um, he's been really good this season, but because of his previous streaky nature, I wouldn't go against saying that he might not score for a few. Um, but as long as he can keep it up, you know, I, I can actually see him scoring 20 goals this season, which is, a, which is a shock to say out loud, but it is true. He's been that good. It's interesting given that Bielsa's managed, you know, the likes of Messi and, and other great players that clearly like Bamford is, is he's just a Bielsa player that none of us knew, I guess was a Bielsa player because he, yeah, he stuck by him. Um, but moving on, I guess, to a, another striker, a quite expensive striker, Rodrigo. Um, has he... To, for, well, I'll just come out. I wasn't impressed with his performance particularly today. I thought he was a bit careless with possession. And um, But I also think maybe he's being asked to do things that he's not necessarily comfortable with or, or maybe aren't natural for him. You'd maybe prefer to see him on the last man, kind of, for the majority of the game, just waiting for his opportunity. How much of his, I'll say it, faltering start at Leeds has come from his lack of performances and how much of it is maybe an adaption to the system? And do you think he's suitable and will he come good eventually? So, um, first of all, I, I'd probably 
address that with I think the fact that I just don't think he was fit enough when he turned up uh, and that that was what that was what Bielsa was saying uh, we had an issue back in the last season when we signed uh, from from Leipzig we got uh, John Kevin Augustine in and he was supposed to be you know the next big thing his fitness was so poor that we are currently in a dispute with Leipzig and FIFA to try and get us to pay 20 million euros for him because we'd agreed it but but they got completely dropped out of the squad he's now at Nantes and last week was dropped out of the squad for his fitness issues so yeah it might we might have dodged a bit of the bullet there but but going back to Rodrigo um he's he seems like a bit of an enigma to me. He, when when he's good, he's really good. Like when we played at Villa this season and we just walked him off the park, the first team to really play Villa well this season, um, he looked absolutely quality. Today, we looked overrun in midfield and, and I don't think he helped. I mean, we were 6-2 down at the end and he was trying fancy flicks and I'm sat there like, honestly, I should have faith in you and I should be happy, but just stop it. <laughs> it's, it's been painful enough. Um, I think it, it took him a long time to adapt to the system. He's still adapting to the system. I don't see him as a number nine with Leeds. And I think that's that's where probably if you looked at just the stats, you'd think, oh, he's a striker. It's like, actually, he's not getting in ahead of Bamford, even if he's playing up front under Bielsa. We could sign Mbappe and he wouldn't be getting in ahead of Bamford. Um, <laughs> honestly, Rod- Rodrigo is he's trying to turn him into a number 10. And what I see is the natural successor to Pablo Hernandez, who over the last few years for Leeds has been, I mean, Probably the most important player over the last five years of Leeds United Football Club. Some of the goals he scored, the most important one away at Swansea last season that effectively secured promotion. Um, I mean, going back a year's time when he was crying on the pitch as well against Brentford when we lost, it was it was a real change. So it was, it's nice to see. But I do think Rodrigo will come good, um, but I don't think he'll come good in the position that everyone's expecting him to come good in. I, I think he is. Uh, he's going to move more into a number ten role even though I know for Spain he was playing number nine when we signed him and, uh, and for Valencia he was he was he was a number nine but in his last season at Valencia he wasn't scoring a lot of goals um he, he was more of a number 10 so I think the signing of him was very good and I'd expect more to come off him um, I just think a bit of patience and a, and a bit of time to adapt as well would, would definitely help that mm, you know I, I agree that I do think he will eventually come good he's I mean, I loved watching him play for Valencia in Spain. And like you said, he's had his moments for Leeds, maybe not as many as people would like, but Bielsa plays in such a specific way. It, it naturally is going to take time for anybody to um, adapt to that. But let's go back to the second half. So it's it's 4-1 at half time. There's a few subs. A bit of a shock, I guess, that Phillips comes off. But like you said, if there are these bookings and, um, and there's a big game coming up, it makes sense. Um, yeah, Goes five one six one. Um, well, yeah. What what were your thought? Were you were you happy with the way you started the half? Do you think it was kind of just a case of doing the same? What 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 are your thoughts on the sort of start of the second half? Anyway, we kind of we kind of expected uh, to start the second half as we did. Bielsa has famously got no plan B, so it was just going to be all out attack again. The first twenty minutes were four one, and to be fair, we had a lot of chances. Rafinha had a volley. I mean, I'm being tough on him because I think he's been that good that he should have scored it. But actually, De Gea made a really good save to tip it onto the post. At that point, I'm, I'm thinking, oh no, you know, they, they are going to go ahead and score, and, and they will probably play again until Christmas and, and not score. <laughs> but um, but I did think for those first twenty minutes at the start of the second half, I thought it was just classic Leeds playing it round without creating the clear-cut chances that we needed to to create, unfortunately. Um, right up until they got that fifth goal, though, I did still, in a weird way, think we are in the game. But that's just because of the football that I've been kind of 
getting getting served every week for the last two and a half years it's been uh, it's been pretty tasty <laughs> well was it i think the fifth was uh was daniel james huh and um which is a that might be a, a, James, an yeah. extra bitter one, I guess, considering that he essentially was basically a Leeds player once upon a time. But a, anyway, to, to sort of gloss on from that, because that's another story. Um, he, to score that goal, sort of found himself in a position where your defence was quite exposed um, between the midfield, which makes sense given that um, these players like Click and um, uh, Phillips had gone off. But more generally speaking, do you think that given how much this Leeds team runs, they outrun every team in the league every game, it's, it must be hard to coordinate, you know, 10 outfield players going running like crazy, essentially backwards and forwards, attacking and defending. So do you think that that ever kind of maybe is, is there a, a communication issue in the team or is there a responsibility issue in the team in terms of one player realizing I actually do need to just sit back, even though my manager maybe wants me to run? Um, has that been a bit of an Achilles heel as much as it is a quite potent weapon when you're going forward? I think it has been an Achilles heel. I think that's fair to say. Um, I don't think that it's a, a system that you can be solid in whatsoever. Whatsoever. I mean, the way the way that we play football is gung ho. You know, we're all up, and then if we need to run back, we all get back. So I, I think it's not something that I'd like to see change. I think it's why the the pundits and commentators have been waxing lyrical about watching us this season. It is the way that we play football. We leave ourselves incredibly open. We've been beaten 4-1 at Palace, 4-1 at home to Leicester, um, and then obviously 6-2 today. I, I, I don't see us changing changing the way that we play. Um, I think if, if we do make wholesale changes at half-time, it, it can disrupt slightly, but that's the way that Bielsa will do it. You know, he, He's going to do what he sees right, which is, I mean, I've got complete faith in the guy, so, uh, so I, I won't question him you know who am I to question him um, but what, what I will say is that that sometimes yeah we are quite open because of the way we play if we take off a Phillips and replace him with a strike strike we got I think he came on a free last year from Ajax um, very unknown no, sorry, he was released by Ajax we picked him up like during the season um, before the end of the season I think he played his first two professional games in the last two games of last season then he started as centre-back at Anfield on the opening day um, so when, when you're introducing players like that into the into the mould away at Man U I think that there is a chance that the inexperience there will mean that we get carved open I mean it's too close to Christmas to be carved open like a turkey for me <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah I think um, I think just, I just honestly, just the way that we play football opens us up so much. But having seen Leeds under Paul Heckingbottom, Steve Evans, Neil Warnock, um, some really, really anti-football managers, uh, I'd much rather we play the way we do now than we stick eleven behind the ball and go, you know, full Sam Allardyce. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's something that you just come to accept. Mm, and I guess, I mean, towards the end of the game, you have that stunner from Stuart Dallas, who seems to love popping up with. Um, with goals, like you said, leads as utility, man. But actually, there were a few really big chances in the second half, too. And it was a weird game in that eventually, yeah, you lost 6-2. But you maybe could have scored four, five, even six goals of your own. Um, what do you... How, how does that kind of make you feel... Maybe not... You, you said you enjoy the way they play. But, you know, when the commentators... I'm not. They're not quite sarcastic towards Leeds but it's almost like oh good old Leeds they're they're trying their best because oh, there was another team a few years ago and I'm not saying you're what much better than this team but Blackpool under Ian Holloway <laughs> they used to play really attacking football and be involved in loads of exciting games and they ultimately went down I mean would you 
will it get to a point where even if you're in all these exciting games and you keep losing, you'll want things to change? Or do you think you have to just stick to the Bielsa way and just hope that that sees you through and keeps you up this year? I think I think we have to stick with the Bielsa way. You know, I, I don't see Bielsa changing and I would hate to see Bielsa go. Um, recently this week, there was a couple of fun stats about Bielsa came out and it was that we are now the team he's managed in the most games in his whole managerial career. So he, he, we just overtook Bill Bow, I think, on Wednesday night. And funnily enough, about our favourite man, Patrick Bamford, has now scored the most goals for Bielsa of any Indeed. player he overtook Lorente. Um, I, the, the, the amount of faith that I have in this man is just unrivaled uh, from what I've seen. So I would rather go out in a Blackpool-like uh, ball of flames than stay up playing, I don't know, playing Tony Pulis football like West Brom did for years. I do honestly think, though, that we've got enough to stay up, but I'm absolutely not counting my chickens. That 40 points is, is the magic number for me. Absolutely. Just when I hit that 40 points, I'll be cracking open a cold one and enjoying it. <laughs> I'm uh, of, uh, of Strongbow, right? Just to... to <laughs> oh, yeah, like the Back days. to the good old days, yeah. Um, but uh, just to yeah to hang on the Bamford thing and Bielsa, I'm like now convinced that Patrick Bamford is like the illegitimate son of Marcelo Bielsa that he like found out about like only a couple of years ago or something. And that's why he's like stuck by him and has like moved to Leeds to like spend more time with him or something like that. Like that's the only thing that makes sense. But no, to be fair, Bamford is, he is backing it up on the pitch these days. And I guess speaking of players who've gone from strength to strength under Bielsa, and now that you're in the Premier League, which is a bit more of a showcase for players' talents, January's coming up. Do you see yourselves doing any business? And then beyond that, are you concerned, maybe not in January, but at the end of the season that bigger clubs are going to come looking for certain Leeds players? So in terms of incoming recruits first, I suppose, I personally would love us to sign another couple of centre-backs because we, we seem to go through players like there's no tomorrow. The type of football we play, the murder ball training sessions, I don't know if you guys are aware of, of murder ball, but they are brutal. They're no fouls and players going at each other for 90 minutes. We pick up so many injuries. <laughs> it's painful. Um, the guys that came on today, Stroik and Shackleton, they're both kids, you know, they're both about 19, 20. Um, we... We really, really need a bit more depth, but the way that Bielsa keeps his players as motivated as he does is by keeping his squad small. And, and he also likes to encourage the youth to come through as well. Um, so if it were up to me, yeah, we'd sign a couple of centre-backs, maybe another striker to keep Bamford on his toes. Um, possibly okay in midfield, uh, maybe a, a nice defensive mid, but I know this isn't going to happen. Uh, realistically, I actually don't think we're going to do any business, maybe a centre-back, because We've now got, I don't think, any fit centre-backs. I think Cooper went off today for young Leif Davis, who we signed from Morecambe a year ago. Um, so we've, we've got a lot of players like that that have been recruited over the last few years that mean that we don't necessarily go out and spend like like we should do. Um, in terms of potential outgoings, uh, that's certainly more interesting area. And I think the closer we get to January, the next couple of games, it, it might get agents might start, you know, Playing, playing funny games and getting rumours out there. Personally, I think Calvin Phillips has been obviously great. I would say that, you know, he's leads through and through. Um, he has put in a few really good performances. He's put in a couple of, you know, but I think my player that I'm actually most concerned about going, which is really strange, which is an, an ex-Arsenal one of yours, Kai, uh, Luke Ayling. He is Mr. Versatility. Um, I saw a fun stat the other day about uh, running forward, running up the pitch in terms of yards. And I think he's done the most in the Premier League uh, for a defender because he is constantly getting up and down the wing. And he's played centre-back in a few games as well, like today. Um, 
so I think Calvin and Ailing, uh, Calvin and, uh, and Luke Ailing are probably the main players that I'd worry about bids coming in for. Obviously, if Bamford keeps up his, uh, his Pele-like form, <laughs> then you never know. Uh, you never know, someone might decide they want to snip it in, but I think he works so well in the system that uh, I don't think we, well, I don't think we need to accept any offers for him. And I don't, to be honest, I, I don't actually think right now we need to sell. Um, Radrizani, our owner, he did say that uh, we'd lost about £40 million because of coronavirus, um, so that might change. However, with the San Francisco 49ers, I believe, putting in more of a stake in, in the coming days, uh, we might not need to. We might actually be able to go out there and invest in some, some luxury players rather than sort of relying on Bielsa's hardy old players from, from the Football League to, to keep us going. Yeah, I guess um, the challenge with buying players in January for Leeds is because of this Bielsa style of play. And like you said, with that striker, Augustan, who came in, clearly wasn't fit. It was, ne- it was in hindsight, never going to work that. I imagine Bielsa probably wouldn't have been too keen on that. So, I mean, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is um, Davinson Sanchez. Now, I don't know if it will happen, but he's completely out of favour at Spurs. He's got the South American thing going on. He's got the the fitness levels Bielsa would probably like. I don't know if it would happen, but, you know, if you need a centre-back, we'd probably be willing to sell it. If <laughs> I'm just imagining that I'm Daniel Levy right now. But, um, yeah, it's a tough it's a tough one for Leeds. I, I, I personally think that you'll stay up. I think that you've got enough quality. And if Bamford... If Bamford could keep his scoring boots on all season, I think you'll you'll be fine. Um, one one question I did have though was about Rafinha, one of your summer signings. So he was someone I'll be honest, I'd never heard of Rafinha before he came to Leeds. If anything, I probably thought he was one of those other guys called Rafinha. There seems to be it seems to be a common football name, but every time I've seen him play, he's looked really impressive. Um, yeah, has has it been surprising for you, kind of how good he's been? Oh, very much so. Um, he's a name that entered the fray quite late into the transfer window for us as well. Um, we were after other targets for a while. I don't know if you had Rodrigo de Paul at Udinese. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We, that, was, that was going on all summer. Um, so he, he didn't come through. There was Daniel James rumoured to be coming in again. Uh, that, that then didn't come through. And then all of a sudden, it, it became clear that Wren were, were willing to sell it, which was really strange because I think that they just got into the Champions League as well. Um, so he, he really fancied his arm uh, at the Premier League. So we managed to get him in a snip. We got him for £17 million, which in today's money is peanuts for somebody that's, that, that runs and, and attacks as well as he does. I don't actually think he had the best game today, but, um, but against Everton the other, the other week, he scored an absolute belter of a winner. Um, and I, I think... In time, him and Rodrigo's link-up could can be really good. Um, I was really excited the other night. We had Rodrigo and Rafinha starting against West Ham for the first time, starting together, and uh, and it unfortunately wasn't quite the game for them. Uh, but there were some nice bits of link-up play in there. But Rafinha wasn't someone that I was that familiar with. Uh, I kind of went on YouTube, as you do, sort of sporting Lisbon days. I thought, oh, this guy's real good, you know, really good. And then I thought, oh, it could be another Felipe da Costa, someone we signed off YouTube clips when we were in League One and he ended up playing one game getting sent off and that was that. <laughs> um, but no, I was, I was, I've been impressed with him so far, but I also think there's going to be a lot more to come from him, which is uh, filling me with hope for, for the future, definitely. Um, in terms of other options out in that area as well, we've got Helder Costa, who obviously was at Wolves. Um, so, and an interesting one, Ian Carlo Paveda, um, who was oh, part of them England setup with yeah, with Sancho and uh, part of it was there's a few videos of him knocking about when he was younger in the England setup with with Sancho and a few others and Foden, and uh, and he was they were saying he was the best player, he was the most skillful player. He was at Arsenal, uh, Brentford, Man City. We we actually got him on a free from Man City, 
uh, and he, he started playing a few games for us and he looked really good. So maybe he could have a word with Davinson because he, he is Colombian. Um, oh, there we go. Maybe there he can have go. a word with Davinson and get him on board. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say no to another centre-back. <laughs> yeah, that, um, back to Rafinha, he has looked quite impressive. In, in moments, I think he is looking... It's, it's obvious that there's an adaptation to the Premier League from Liga and from where he was playing in the what, Liga NOS in Portugal <laughs> before. Um, but... Uh, yeah, he reminds me a bit of Pepe. He reminds me a bit of James Rodriguez. Um, he's got a good left foot, which in the Premier League, we, we, love, a, we love a good left-footed player. Um, we'll see how long, or yeah, how long it is before sort of bigger clubs potentially also are maybe looking at him. Um, I guess before we, before we finish up real quick, we haven't spoken too much about Manchester United, which, you know, makes sense. We don't have any Man U fans on the call, but I think it would probably just be fair for all of us to... Um, give a quick maybe a synopsis of uh, what we took from Man U today because they've had a bit of an up and down season although more recently it's been more ups than downs in the Premier League um, they're actually sort of I think if they win their game in hand might be in second place in the Prem so uh, Ole it's been you know there's just so much banter flying around this whole like Ole era um, he's got so many talented players at his disposal he's arguably still got gaps in his squad but he's maybe for the first time now got a bit more of a complete squad signings like Alex Tellez and even Cavani just to like add some depth up front. Um, what do we make of them? Are they contenders? Is it just going to be a top four season? Are they going to be the second best team in the league? Um, as much as it pains me to say it, if they perform like they did today, uh, they unfortunately have to at least be top four uh, potential challengers. Again, I don't think they're going to play like that week in, week out. Um, so I, I do think that Spurs, Liverpool and City as well. You can you can never really rule anybody out. Are, are probably best placed. Um, I won't go as far as saying Chelsea in that mix, uh, <laughs> but um, I thought their attack in the first half was was exceptional. Um, the way they cut us to pieces, like we haven't seen any other teams cut us to pieces this season, really kind of showed. And we've played pretty much all the big dogs, obviously minus Spurs. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it. I think top four if they keep playing how they're playing, um, but you you could never really rule them out. Of, really finishing in the top two uh, I'm not I'm not sure if they'd win the league this year and uh, I'm quite happy to say that <laughs> but um, but yeah I, I think they've, they've, they've definitely turned a corner uh, in the last few weeks and probably a bit more for Ole to enjoy I was Ole in for ages when they wanted Ole out because I thought oh yes uh, Ole at the wheel it's not doing too well uh, but now I'm thinking damn he might actually be able to get these lots settled up to see what they're about today Interesting. I've got to say, whilst they, I, I thought they were really good. To, obviously, they were really good today. They won six two, um, and they played. They, they played some brilliant football as well. I think the, I think they they're going to challenge for the top four. I'm still, well, they might. I, I, I don't know. If, I, I can't categorically say if they will finish in it because, even though they won six two, I think if Leeds were a bit more clinical today, and especially earlier on, I, I it's a weird when a team loses six two to say they could have got something out of the game, but feels like there is some element of truth in that today so I still think they've got to improve their defense the, the fullbacks I think like you say Kai they're pretty sorted there um I think they probably need another defensive midfielder and then McTominay did quite well I don't even really know is he a defensive mid is he a box-to-box -box? I don't know I'd, I feel like um they're they're a couple of players away from being a really good team I still think if they want to really take it to the next level I don't think Ollie will be the guy to deliver that success but fair play to him today he, he clearly is doing something right but oh, I still I still don't think they're that good
maybe I'm being a bit harsh. <laughs> I mean, Arsenal beat them at Old Trafford, so they can't be that good. There and you go. Point, point proven. Point yeah, proven. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess on that note, because that's about as cheerful as it's going to get for Arsenal conversation this weekend. <laughs> Um, uh, we might might leave it there. I guess I want to say thanks to my co-host Joe as always, and then an extra special thank you to, to Stephen Allendan for being our, our guest today. It's been really really nice just catching up. First of all, after all this time, but um, also very interesting to get a bit of a <clears throat> deeper insight into um, Marcelo Bielsa's leads this season from somebody who, well, I haven't met too many lead fans, but I doubt I could I could meet a bunch of them, and I doubt I'd meet any as pa- you know more passionate than you. So. It's been a pleasure, Steve. Have you enjoyed yourself? Oh, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Um, when I told my girlfriend about uh, about you guys dropping a message, she went, oh, excellent. You can find people who actually be interested in you talking about football. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure being on, guys, uh, anytime. Yeah. Is, um, is there a, a social handle or somewhere that you might want to drop? Yeah, people, if they want to give you a follow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my Twitter's at Steve Overlad. Uh, so, yeah, just, <laughs> just give me a follow, I suppose. Yeah, there you go. Well, like I said, thanks again, Stephen. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, as far as listeners, if you want to hear more of our stuff, um, and kind of be yeah up to date with where you can listen to it and watch it, uh, make sure you look out for us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at United Mates FP. And then yeah, to put faces to the voices on YouTube, you can look us up. It's the United Mates Football Podcast. Um, until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.